Jam Session is a podcast where two guys who grew up in Dallas-Fort Worth discuss sports, craft beer, life, and their experiences living in one of America's most vibrant cities. If you love sports, you're going to love this show. If you love craft beer or you're curious about it, you'll love this show. Great conversations with good friends is what Jam Session is all about. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. You're listening to the Jam Session Podcast. I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. With Cowboys insider... What's your name? Jean-Jacques Taylor. That's my name. Radio personality and craft beer expert, Matt McLaren. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. And now, the Jam Session Podcast. It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, review, hang out with us for a while, or I'm now on the Jam Session Podcast. Sponsored, as always, by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights that legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal. But right now, that moment we've all been awaiting has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, the radio, the TV, the podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. What up, though? I would be the non-sexy one. It's Matt McLaren, and this, my friends, is Jam Session, the podcast, version 327, asking simply that you're prepared to be dazzled. If not entertained. Oh, we got a lot to dazzle and entertain me with, I believe, today. We'll get into some trips around the block with some fun stuff. We've got ESPN's Todd Archer is going to jump on with us, get his thoughts on the Jags and the Cowboys, and taking a look ahead to what's coming up on Saturday which is going to be, I mean, I got to tell you, it sucks the Cowboys lost to the Jags because I was really looking forward to maybe that game carrying a little bit of that extra weight. Cowboys-Eagles, Christmas Eve, 3.30 kick, hated division rivals. And now, obviously, the Eagles have to lose their last three and the Cowboys have to win their last three for there even to be a tie-breaking scenario. And that's not going to happen, but it is what it is. With that being said, we do want to start you off and remind you about our friends over there at Greening Law. Robert Greening and the Green Team, and I'll tell you this, because we are getting to a point where we have kind of taken the next steps in my process. It's really interesting. I actually had a phone call with Robert yesterday, and I mean, the stuff that they do with these insurance companies and the way that they go to bat for you and lay out a plan, and I mean, he's called me, I've had to talk to him a couple of times in recent weeks because he's like, okay, what do you want to do here? And this is what we're talking right now. And this is how the process is going to lay out all those types of things. And they handle that all for you. They make sure that you get what you deserve when you are going through a situation like this. If you've been hurt in a car accident or injured on the premises of a business, I'll tell you flat out the expertise they have, because I've asked them some questions like, well, what about this? Or how come this? And they explain it, you know, and I'm like, I told him once, I said, look, I don't think I'm a dumb guy, but I have no concept of legal stuff. So this may be a dumb question, but can I ask you this and why this is happening? And then they explain it to you in detail. It's it's been a right, a really good process. So if the, if you're in this situation, you got to give them a call. I mean, you have to. No. You, you you need to let them go to bat for you. Uh, pick up the phone. 972-934-8900. Y'all should probably know it by now. 972-934-8900. And all that stuff Matt just told you, all I'm going to say is there's a reason why when you're in a, in a battle like this, why you want somebody with experience who can hold your hand and tell you when to turn left, when to turn right, when to walk straight, when to jump, when to stop. And you don't have to worry about it. You just, got, you just follow their guidance and, and, and go do your thing. Um, the best thing about it is if you have an issue, 
it doesn't cost anything to call them, pick up the phone, you give them a call, you tell them, hey, here's my situation, what do you think? And they'll either sign you up for a client or they'll wish you luck uh, in your future endeavors. But the best thing is they don't get paid unless you get paid, so they are forever grinding for you. Yes, they are. Trust me, that is very true. 972-934-8900. 972-934-8900. It's Robert Greening. Call him now. Offices, Dallas, Texas. So the Cowboys and the Eagles, obviously we are kind of maneuvering our way towards this game with three regular season games left. But this is interesting. I will say this. This is for all of you morons that were tweeting at us after the Cowboys game on Sunday after the loss. The typical Dallas, they're not going to make the playoffs. They'll lose out and miss the playoffs. Guess what, clowns? They clinched. Remember on that podcast after that, a couple of you guys are sitting there, oh, they're not going to make the playoffs. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, they could literally clinch today. Sure enough, Washington loses. The Cowboys have clinched a playoff spot. So for all of you that were convinced that they were going to miss the playoffs, wrong again, negative Nancys. (laughs) I just don't, you know, it's so strange to me how a chunk of this fan base gets so negative and then you look at it and you're just telling them, like, why don't you slow your roll? Like, it is virtually impossible for Dallas to miss the playoffs at this point. But instead of trying to stay positive and want to b- believe and, and have something with this team, it's like, oh, they'll, they'll miss the playoffs. And then, of course, <laughs> three hours after people are saying that, they clinch a playoff spot. Hey, man, people sometimes don't know what they don't know, and that's okay. So anyway, sometimes, sometimes I'm the voice of reason. Doesn't happen very often, but sometimes. It right. Does. But reality of it is, here's reality, guys. They have clinched a playoff spot. The Dallas Cowboys are going to the playoffs. And again, you know, I was talking to somebody at work about this on Monday where I go, you know, it's interesting because you say I get it. I, you know, yes, you there is a sect of Cowboys fans that wants them to be undefeated. And if they lose a game, they suck. Because they're not 13-1 and one like Philadelphia, they're trash and they're not any good. But this still holds true when you look around the NFL. We are 14 weeks into the NFL season. 14 weeks into the NFL season. And there are four teams in the league that have more wins than the Cowboys. Four. I mean, do you not take that? Every single season, every season in August, if they come up to you and say, hey, going into week 15, you won't be the best team in the league but only four teams will have more wins than you. Every single person out listening is going to sign up for that. You'd have been jumping up and down, man. Uh, but, you know, that's, that's how it is, man. I wrote, a, uh, I wrote a piece in the morning news about that very thing today. And, uh, and I wrote it um, in a very conversational way. And then this, does, this hadn't happened recently. But somebody hit me on Twitter and said, hey, you made some really good points, but... The way you wrote that story, it was choppy. The comp, the paragraphs weren't together and this or that. And I was like, dude, I used a different style because I was trying to say something in a different way. And um, I basically pulled the, I'm pretty sure I know what I'm doing, Car. Well, Jacques, I mean, come on. I, for those that don't know, Jacques is now interning at the Dallas Morning News as he tries to decide if he wants a career as a, as a journalist or not. Oh, here it is. It's uh, from my buddy Roger Edwards. And he wasn't being disrespectful, but he was just like, I agree with all your points. However, your story was hard to read. Every sentence isn't its own paragraph. That style demolishes flow and makes the narrative choppy. Like, whatever, dog. <laughs> that, you know what? To me, honestly, 
And I always think this is interesting. And, and I have no idea who this person is or, may, you know, for all, for all I know, he's an award-winning journalist. But I find it interesting when somebody like yourself who's been doing this for, what, 40 years, if you go back into college and all that. Right. At a high level that's worked with. The with, highest level. Yes, the highest <laughs> level that you can do it at. Has had high-level success. I, I, I just, I don't get it. To me, that, that would be. Hey, man, uh, I know you're operating on that brain right there, but I don't know. You know, I don't think you needed to shave the entire head. You, you, you could have just shaved that and still made the incision. Like, I mean, oh, are you a brain just... surgeon? Oh, well, no. But I, to me, just viewing it, I, 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 I don't know why you're doing that. Nah, man, it's, uh, it is what it is. It's, uh, you know, tone is everything. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, the, the point was I, I wrote it like that because I was being very flippant about what I was saying. Because I was like, you want to trust the Cowboys, you, you really do. They just don't make it easy. They really don't. And then I went into the, the to debacle, and I was like, cue the overreaction. They're going to lose the last three games this season for sure. They're one and done in the playoffs for sure. They haven't beat any good teams this season, so they're obviously they're not going to be able to win in the playoffs. They never beat Brady, so the Bucks will end their season. That's all the stuff I've been hearing. I was just like, just stop it, man. Because, And I use my good friend Clarence Hill as an example. Because he came on the podcast, and he comes on every Thursday, which is Friday for you guys. And what did he tell us after they lost to Green Bay, Matt, when they were playing Chicago? No way in the world they win this game. Not, not, not. They're done. Not, not, not going to win this game. I ain't seen nothing. And then they went 40 to 3. Yep. And I'm just, my whole point is, and Matt and I have made it several times this year, and this year perhaps more than any other year in recent memory, it's freaking hard to win. And so, yes. I think I've told y'all the Baltimore Ravens, a pretty good team, before they before Lamar Jackson got hurt, blew three leads of 17 points or more uh, and lost games this year. The Texans took the Chiefs to overtime. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the same Texans y'all were bitching about last week. Oh, Dallas didn't do this. Dallas didn't do. Yeah, they took the Chiefs to overtime. The Colts up 30 to nothing. Lost. <laughs> The Patriots somehow figured out a way to give up two touchdowns in the last 30 seconds and lost. Uh, it's just hard to win, bro. And one loss when you're 10-4 and four doesn't mean the rest of your season is going to trash. Now, they got some problems they got to fix, Matt. But given what you've seen thus far this season, there's no reason to think that they won't fix those issues or at least uh, put some tape on them or a Band-Aid on them and be able to accomplish something else this season. I mean, I don't know how far they'll go in the playoffs. But I'm telling you right now, Tampa Bay stinks, and they're certainly better than Tampa Bay. They just got to go beat them. Yeah, it's – I don't know, man. To me, when you look at this, and and you can look at it however you want, and we can all find our own angles on this, but I look at it and go, okay, the Cowboys play in the NFC. We all know that. The Cowboys, when you look at the hierarchy right now of the NFC, they lost to the Eagles. Who are, the, who are the number one team in this conference. They beat the Vikings. They have not played San Francisco. They beat the New York Giants, who are the team right behind them. They beat Washington, who's the team behind that. They beat Detroit, who's the team behind that. So, again, we say, well, they haven't beaten anybody. All you can do is play your schedule, and let's see, of the top, what is that, the top eight teams, so the top half of the NFC this year, They've beaten six of the top eight, and the other two they haven't played. Or, excuse me, they've beaten five of the top eight. <laughs> they lost to the Eagles, and the other two they haven't played. 
And then people, well, if they played San Francisco, San Francisco would beat them. Oh, like San Francisco was going to beat the Bears that they lost to? Like San Fran- the San Francisco team that lost to the Broncos? The San Francisco team that lost to the Falcons? We're convinced San Francisco is going to wipe the field with them. So, <laughs> I, I mean, to me, I look at this and I go, look, the NFL, if nothing else, and, and I can't remember the exact number of what the margin is, but I'm sure most of you guys saw that stat that they were throwing out a couple of weeks ago, that this, the margin of victory this season in the NFL is the closest that it's ever been since 1932 in the history of this league. Wow. That's how close these teams are to each other. And so when you sit here and go, oh, that team, oh, they would wipe it. Nobody's going to wipe the field with anybody. Now, you might have a game where you everything's just going your way and it's all clicking for you like it was against Minnesota. Or you might right. have a game where you can't seem to get out of your own way and the other team has decided to show up that day because they're also an NFL team and you barely win or you lose on a weird pick six in overtime. Hey, man, the bees like that sometimes. And you have to understand how the game is and how it plays, and how it works. And once you do that, you just get a good understanding for how these things that you think will never happen, happen. Uh, But understand, understand, I get it. I can't remember if I told you, Matt, uh, about my dad talking about Josh Allen. Yeah, yeah, you did. Yeah, I remember that. Right, so, you know, that's what I'm talking about. Like, And here's the quick version. My dad was complaining about an interception Josh Allen threw, and I said, bro, just stop, man. Yeah. I'm your son. I love you. You've been whining about a franchise quarterback for 25 years. He throw a pick. Now, you, just stop. Go complain about some other element of the Bills. <laughs> and he says, you know what? You're right. Uh, you know, because it's hard to win. And uh, good players don't always play good. And, uh, you know, I'm not the overreaction type. I don't mind ripping people, ripping teams when it's called for. But as I told Matt, you have to be doing something well to grab 14-point lead and in going into the fourth quarter and a 17-point lead with half the third quarter left. You're doing right. something very right. Then something went wrong, but this isn't a case where the Cowboys are getting blown out, you know, 37-7. to This is they're blowing leads and, and other problems. You'd much rather have that problem than getting dominated problem. Yeah, and, and as it per- like to me, and I've always felt this way, I feel this way with my fantasy football team because – I've always put more into, and this is why I think it's actually a big deal that they're going to have, they've already got the 10 wins. They're going to win another game. I don't think they're going to lose out like some of you. So chances are you get to 11 or 12 wins. Hell, maybe you get to 13 wins. I don't know. But the fact that they've done it again with double digit wins, I always look at this like fantasy football. When I play fantasy, I just want to get it in the playoffs. Because in, in a given scenario, in a one game scenario, There are so many variables of things that can happen. I don't know what's going to happen, but I know that I don't have a shot in hell of winning if I'm not even in the playoffs. And I have to do things consistently enough and good enough for the bulk part just to give myself a chance in a one-game scenario. The Cowboys have done that. They have clinched a playoff spot. Are they going to lose in the first round of Tampa Bay? I don't think so. They could. Are they going to make it to the Super Bowl? I would say no. Because guess what, guys? There are 14 teams in the NFL that make it to the playoffs. One of them wins the Super Bowl. (laughs) That means you have a 93% chance that it's not going to be you. And based on their history, and look, there's a lot to overcome. But, I I mean, to me, if, if you're not in the playoffs, you don't even have a shot. They've got a shot. They've got a damn good shot. And 
I always thought when we get at the beginning of the season, the goal is to make the playoffs. And then when you get in the playoffs, the goal is to win the Super Bowl. They, they accomplish goal number one. Can they accomplish goal number two? None of us know. Right. But I, th- I think you make the, the right point. And, you know, the big deal about making the playoffs in consecutive seasons is it gives you an opportunity to get in the playoffs. Like, you can't win the lottery if you don't play. Right, yeah. yeah. You can't win the Super Bowl if you're not in the playoffs. And so if you get there five years in a row, odds are one of those years it'll fall right for you, you'll go make it happen. If you're going every other year, then there's just as good odds that you won't be able to make it happen. Yeah, I mean, that's the whole point. So they are in the playoffs. We'll see how it turns out. Many of you are convinced they are one and done. I'm not. I, I, I actually think they'll win a playoff game. Now, will they get past the divisional round? We'll have to see how that matchup looks and what we think when we get to that point. I will say this, and I do think that this is interesting. The thing with Dak, and, and we'll ask Archer about this, and we've talked about it a little bit. It, I, we knew coming into the season that they were asking a quarterback who doesn't make these types of throws to force it a little bit more. Jerry even had that quote, you know, well, if a guy's not wide open, he's going to have to force it in there and do those types of things. And you and I talked about it back in August in training camp when he made that quote. Well, I mean, that's not really the type of quarterback he is. And then everybody gets pissed that he's trying these throws. Well, he's not elite. He's not good. We already knew that wasn't the type of quarterback that he was. And so while I do blame Dak that it feels like he hasn't learned from some of these situations that continually repeat itself, I also blame the front office of putting this type of pressure on a guy that, I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm pretty sure we're on the same page. I never thought Dak was that top five elite type quarterback that was supposed to be making those types of throws. No, he's not. And I told y'all for a long time, this is why um, I didn't like the move of getting rid of uh, Amari Cooper. It's because you're asking Dak. I mean, I think I wrote a column about it for the morning yeah. news. You're, you're yeah. asking Dak to be something that he's not. And that's not a knock on him, but, you know, it's asking the power forward who's a rebounder to be a scorer. Why are you asking that man to do something that he's not He's not really capable of doing? Dak, and even though the offense is productive, Dak is still much better when he's got a bunch of weapons uh, that he can disseminate to as opposed to one guy, which he which he does now with CeeDee Lamb. Um you know, I get Noah Brown. He's a Buckeye. He's having a good season for Noah Brown. But ain't no way in the world I want my biggest player of the game designed to go to Noah Brown. Where there's a mesh concept with, uh, who, who was it, CeeDee Lamb yeah, CD and, and Dalton Schultz. So that's designed to get Noah Brown free. And even though Noah's got really good hands, and that's probably his best asset, I want my key player of the game going to who, Matt? CeeDee Lamb. Yeah. Because he's my best player. I don't want to get beat with my third best receiver. That's just your boy now. That's just me. I ain't trying to get beat with my third best player. Never, ever in this lifetime or the next. No, you're right. And you look at this. They are so highly reliant on CD making plays for them in the passing game. He has twice as many targets as anybody else on the team. And then Dalton Schultz is next. He has 124 targets. Schultz has 66 Noah Brown has 62. You know, and you look at that, and it'll be really interesting to see when T.Y. Hilton, who looks like he's going to play this week, if he can change that up a little bit. And Ed Werder posted this on Twitter, and this is an interesting quote from T.Y. Hilton. Ed asked him, how can you make a difference? And Hilton responded, just me being out there, my presence, you've got to respect me. You've got to account for me. 
and they need somebody else because obviously, I mean, you go to that third down play where they threw it deep to Noah Brown on that third and 10. CeeDee Lamb was triple covered on that. You didn't have a shot in hell of throwing the ball to CeeDee Lamb. And then Michael Gallup on the other side because they ran three routes and we can debate all day. I mean, I think Pollard came and went underneath and we can debate all day because I would think that you, you want somebody doing a slant or a 10-yard stop, whatever, something that it's you're not throwing it down the field. Gallup has bracket coverage on him on the far side. Lamb's got triple coverage. Noah Brown had one-on-one. So Dak is going to go there. Well, that's the route that he's running. You know, that's the thing is that they've got, and maybe it is Hilton, I don't know, but somebody else out there has got to at least give them something to think about to where, okay, I got to force it to CeeDee Lamb. I got to try and hit Lamb or here's some big plays of the game. Well, hell, let's make somebody else catch it. Triple cover Lamb. Nah, you're right. And that's that's what you need TY for. That's what, I I suppose that's what they hope Jalen Tolbert would give him this year. Uh, That's why, but again, that's why you should have never gotten rid of Amari Cooper because he's trying to win right now. And yes, the offense is scoring points, but it's really built around the running game, defense, and special teams. Not the passing game. Yeah, and, and and Dak has got to again they're asking him to do some things and, and his interception problem, it you just they you can't have those. And we talked about these the last couple of podcasts, but I was looking at this, you know, especially after last night, because Aaron Rodgers threw an interception. And so you look at it and you go, Okay, there are ten quarterbacks in the NFL this year with ten or more interceptions. Joe Burrow has ten, Aaron Rodgers has ten, Dak has eleven. Pat Mahomes has 11. Josh Allen has 11. The problem is that Dak Prescott leads the NFL in interception percentage. His interception percentage is 3.9%, which is insanely high. And you look at it, you say Mahomes and Burrow, for instance, are at 2%. And Dak, for his career, is 1.9%. You never want to be over 2%. And the fact that he's that high and has thrown this many interceptions and hasn't even thrown it 300 times yet this year, it's concerning. Here's my take on it, and I, I wrote this in the Dallas Morning News uh, after the game. Um, and you can check my timeline if you're interested in seeing more of it. I think, bro, and it's not an excuse, I just think uh, he's just got this combination of bad luck and funk. And here's what I mean, because uh, this is what I compared it to. Zeke Elliott had never been a fumbler at Ohio State. He'd never been a fumbler in the, in the NFL and then in 2019, he fumbled five times in 79 touches. Couldn't figure it out. What's wrong with Zeke? He's got to do this. He's got to do that. It was in his head. Since that five fumbles and 79 touches ended, he's fumbled twice. And I think when I looked at it, it was like 638 touches. What I'm saying is he just went this through this inexplicable phase where he couldn't hold on to the ball. Yeah. I think right now, because these interceptions don't look like He's being fooled on a coverage, and he threw it into his – he thought this was open, and some dude he never saw picked it off. These are weird throws. Like, they're deflected here and tipped there and bouncing off this and that. And I think most of this is – and some of it's because they're down in the middle of the field where there's more congestion, and he's forcing it into some tighter windows – either because his guys can't separate or he's got more confidence in his arm. Mm. But this feels more like he's in this – this funk because it doesn't resemble any other part of his career. There's no other year except the second year before Amari Cooper showed up and they threw a bunch of picks. Every other year he's very careful with the ball 
And so this is this is so out of character that I wonder if it's just one of those moments in time where now it pisses everybody off, but it's just like, you know, this is uh, this is really something that he'll he'll get out of at any moment and you, know, you hope so. go back to his normal deal. Yeah, and again, and I know that, that PFF, you, you, we can take it for what it is. We can hate it. We can love it. You can use it to support your case. You can use it and go, oh, that's ridiculous. But PFF has him, of these 11 interceptions, they have, I think it's five of them that are because of something else, like like the receiver's fault. You know, like right. the Noah Brown one. And, and fair, unfair, because it, it it winds up Dak Prescott as an inter- It doesn't wind up, oh, Noah Brown, one interception this year. <laughs> but, you know, on that play, that that's 100% on Brown. Now, the first one, you can't... The, the first one is where we have seen... We've seen more of that this year than we ever have before. And I don't know if it's to your points, like what you're talking about, if he just doesn't have the confidence and he feels like, okay, I, I, I don't know what it is, but it's obvious that there's some sort of a disconnect at times with him and, and these guys that are out there. Who knows? Like you said, maybe it's the anomaly and it writes itself, but you, you can't continually want, even if it's just once a game. And we say the second one is a thousand percent on Noah Brown. You still can't make the other throw to Schultz. We, you can't do that anymore. I want it to stop, please. Thank you. <laughs> I think that's fair enough. Yeah, I think it is too. All right, now as we continue here, I hope that you guys got your orders in, in time so that it shipped for Christmas for Bruce Biltong. Because I'm telling you, man, if you haven't had a chance to try Bruce Biltong yet... You need to jump online, have some for your New Year's party, have like a bowl of bruised biltong for people to snack on, and they'll grab some and be like, what is this? Is this beef jerky? But no, no, it's not beef jerky. It's better. It's better than beef jerky, man. It's savory. It's tender. They're like, oh my God, it really is. And then you can tell them, now you can jump on bruised biltong and order it. And then your friend will go, I don't know, man. And you go, well, you just go online. Promo code JAM15 at checkout. You get 15% off your order. And then everybody's eating Bruce Biltong. Does it get any better than that, bro? Nah, it that'd be pretty cool. Than that, bro? I think you should nah. do it. <laughs> nah, man. Biltong rocks. It doesn't matter whether you get that slab that uh, me and Matt really like. Or if, if you get the, uh, the slice that me and Matt really like as well. It's, uh, it's one of the best things you'll ever put in your mouth. And... For somebody like me, it's always uh, concerned about watching your weight or whatever. It's 230 calories, basically nothing. No carbs, uh, 30 grams of protein. You can't really do it much better than that. You're exactly right. So that's why you got to get it done. You need to jump on over to bruisebiltong.com. B-R-U-S-T-I. Wait, no. B-R-U-S-B-I-L-T-O-N-G. Bruisebiltong.com. Promo code JAM15 at checkout. You get 15% off your order. Also, of course, JR, his crew right there, Freeway Tire Shop, just north of downtown Dallas, man. I've got a, we actually, right now, as we are recording this, the lady fiance is at a place having some stuff done, making sure that we're good before we go on all this driving for the holiday coming up. And it's one of those things you go, well, I hope, yeah, I hope that everything's going to be good because you just don't know because it's not Freeway Tire Shop. And I don't know if it's the mechanic we can trust. You know, I've told y'all for for a long time now that that's why I rock with Freeway Tire, man. It's because you can trust them. You can trust JR and his crew to, number one, diagnose what's wrong with your car, and number two, use quality parts to fix your car. Once they get done with that, this is a big deal now. You can trust them to charge you a fair price, and then you can trust the man to stand behind his work. 
I don't really know what else you want from a mechanic. If yours isn't doing that, then you need to go see Freeway Tire. And uh, tell me your boys from Jam Session, Jam Session sent you. And it's right up 35, five minutes from downtown, right off of uh, 35 North and uh, f- uh, Commonwealth. You go through the light. It's on the right. You literally cannot miss it. That's it right there, man. You can check them out online, find out more info, schedule an appointment, freewaytireshop.com. Make it happen. All right, so we take this trip around the block, and this is interesting because coming up on January 2nd, right after the new year, the original Velvet Taco location that's right over there off of 75 is closing. Really? It has been there for more than 11 years in a former church's chicken restaurant right there on that frontage road off 75, and they are closing for good that location. Apparently, the lease is up. And I, them a I, I guess, but dollars. Velvet Taco says it's just time that although that's the original building, they've expanded in other parts in Dallas and Fort Worth, and they've got expansion plans in other states and cities and all that, that they, they don't need that location anymore. Jeez, I guess. Yeah, it's unfortunate, man, because that used to be, I mean, I've been there late night a couple of times. I mean, I've, I've probably been to that, that Velvet Taco, I would guess, I mean, a dozen times over the years since it's been open. Now, it's one of my favorite uh, gourmet taco spots. But they may figure, because, yeah. you know, they've got a bigger one now, that Velvet Taco that, I mean, it's not right off 75, it's off Greenville. What would that be? I guess if you take SMU Boulevard, you know, kind of over there, like in between SMU Boulevard and Lovers, there's a, a big Velvet Taco that's over there now. So maybe they figured that that one's close enough to where they're like, whatever, man, we're expanding. We don't need it. And so the Dickey family, and I didn't know this, the Dickey's, you know, Dickey's Barbecue, Dickey's Barbecue, everybody knows Dickey's Barbecue. Apparently they own that building. Really? And they are turning it into something called Trailer Birds, which will be a chicken tenders and hot wings place. And that is expected to open in the summer of 2023. (laughs) All right. I'm down with it. So at least you'll have something there. It just won't be Velvet Taco. <laughs> Velvet Taco's good, man. That's one of those original kind of funky, creative taco places that just hit. No, it, it is, man. I'm all about the salmon taco. Uh, I think uh, that's that's probably my favorite one over there. Uh, the chicken and waffle taco, I think they got one of those. That's yeah, they do. They, they've got all kinds of tacos, man. The They're Buffalo taco chicken. is yeah. good. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're legit. Clearly, I've been there a few times. Yeah, clearly. So if, if you're a fan of that location, you might want to get over there because January 2nd, they're done. That's it. After that, if you try to go over there, they will double bird you. Tell you wow. to get the F out. Yeah, bitches. Right. Yeah, see, there you go. So the other thing I got for you, and, and I need to remember to make a list this year because I never did after last year. But I, as, as we head towards the end of the year here, I have started yesterday my 52nd book of the year which is insane to me yeah so i don't know how you read one a week i don't either man but what it is is i read i literally read every day and so like for instance the last book i was reading i woke up on saturday morning and i usually tell myself i'm going to read for like half an hour 45 minutes every morning well, I didn't have anything going on on Saturday, and I was so into the book, I ended, I ended up reading for like three hours and basically reading a book almost in just one day by itself in one sitting. Wow. So that's what happens to me. And so then, 
And like I, there are, I, I would guess probably 10 or 15 of the books I read this year, I read in two days. That's amazing. Good grief. And usually it'll be on a weekend because I'll wake up and I'll wake up. Like I, I have, I rarely, rarely ever sleep past nine. True, true. true. Like during the week, I never do, but I'm talking like on the weekend. So if I wake up like at 8.30 on the weekend and I got nothing going on for a couple hours, I'll read for two, three hours on Saturday, two, three hours on Sunday. Next thing you know, you you know, you knock out a book in six hours total. Good grief. Yeah, right? So especially if it's a really good one that I've really enjoyed. And, and man, I've just. So what are you reading right now? Right now, the book that I just started, book number 52 is, and I've really gotten into this series. It's the Bill O'Reilly Killing series. And this is the fifth one I've read this year. I read Killing the Legends, which was the lethal danger of celebrity and told the stories of Muhammad Ali, Elvis, and John Lennon. I read Killing the Mob, which was the fight against organized crime in America, like all throughout its history up until recent times. I read Killing England, which was obviously about the American Revolution. I just finished Killing the SS, which was about the... And I didn't like I'd never really heard a lot about this, but this was more so focused on the immediate aftermath post World War Two of people trying to track down Nazis and charge them with war crimes. Right. And how many of them had fled to South America and lived in like Argentina and places like that. That was kind of interesting. I've heard a lot about that. Yeah. And then the one that I'm currently reading is called Killing the Rising Sun which is more so focused on the Pacific theater of World War II and those battles that took place, like that MacArthur was the general for versus, because, you know, there's so much publicity for D-Day and and Normandy, and that's all the Eastern Front and taking down Germany and the Nazis. And for whatever reason, you don't hear as much really. I mean, you maybe like Band of Brothers and some things that you see but some of the things that they did in the Pacific theater and some of these battles, you know, everybody knows Iwo Jima. And, and right, right. I'm sure most people, you're probably familiar with the Bataan Death March when, you know, yeah. MacArthur originally left the, the Philippines and all that. But this is, I mean, I've learned a lot in this book. I mean, my God. And they do not shy away from how the Japanese war, like, army treated people. I mean, it is detailed in this thing. I mean, I, I, I learned they some treated them poorly. I mean, they did. I imagine they did. I'm, I'm talking <laughs> torture that nobody would want to experience rape crimes against women like that are just, you know, and they've got testimony from people like they did that in the in the Nazi book that I read where they, they had like the actual testimony from some of the people that had survived the Holocaust of what they saw and what they experienced in concentration camps that I had never read before. And I was like, my God, this is powerful. Wow. I mean, it's intense. It is intense, but I like history. And so those, those have been good books. So I'm on my fifth one of those this year. The one I read before that, that I read in two days this past weekend was called Never Finished, which is the new book from David Goggins, who wrote a book a couple of years ago can't, called Can't Hurt Me that I read, which is... I don't even want to say a motivational book because this is this is not the type of a you can do it. This guy is like, you know, basically like he'll just flat out say in the book, like he stares at himself in the mirror and goes, fuck you, you're fat. Stop eating. <laughs> like literally, like there's a lot of F-bombs in this book. And he just go, he talks about how his original story, he ended up becoming over 300 pounds. And he ended up after that becoming a Navy SEAL 
has set records for 100-mile races, has competed in the 240-mile races, and is the guy that qualified as a Navy SEAL running on broken legs and stuff like that. And it's all power of the mind. How far could he push himself? And he said, you know, it just became his goal. And this is his quote, so watch out for the F-bomb coming up. But it was, he goes, (laughs) I wanted to be the baddest motherfucker who ever lived. Wow. Okay. And this is, I mean, this is a dude, the stuff that he does in this book, I don't know, like for me, because of how I work out and the stuff I'll ignore sometimes, I go, well, and you know, he just goes, like you're capable of so much more than you think because so many people give up because they don't feel good or something aches. And he goes, and here I am with a torn Achilles that I, I got my doctor to wrap in tape so I can finish this 240 mile race and I've got 52 more miles to go. Right, right, right. You know, that type of thing where you're like, who is this guy? Right. Sound so, like the, yeah, go ahead. I don't know. It, it, it's, it's intense, but you have to be of a certain mindset to read it because otherwise he'll just offend you. <laughs> Which, to be fair, some people probably need to be offended. What's the name of that one again? It's called Never Finished. It's by David Goggins. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I thought you said. I wrote that. I read that book last year. It's uh, a matter of fact, it was so phenomenal. I gave it to my son to read. Yeah, you read Can't Hurt Me because never finished. Never finishes his new one that just came out like two weeks ago. Oh, damn. Yeah, but Can't Hurt Me is the one that is his original book that I thought was like, damn, dude, this is badass. And this is his new version of that that goes up to. I mean, I'll just tell you, like, he apparently had something in his knee where they had to go in and, and they basically were like, well, you need you need knee replacements like you. You will never run again. <laughs> and he's like, well, that's not no, happening. No. And he yeah. found like some experimental surgery or something and got something to do it. And he asked his doctor, he's like, you know, can I run? And the guy was like, I mean, you know, yeah, you can kind of give it a shot and see what happens. So he goes out and runs a 48 mile race. <laughs> to see how his knees will respond talks about all the stuff they do and then the, i mean and all this is backed up by pictures and stuff in the, in the book he's like oh yeah and then after that i had to go get all the stuff drained out of my knee and then i wanted to be a storm what's called a smoke jumper which is firefighters that that skydive out of airplanes into fires so that they can fight fires like deep in behind them to help control them and it's a lot of frozen because it happens a lot like up in the north and in Canada where there's a lot of trees and stuff. And so he talks about like nine months after he had this massive surgery on both of his knees, he's trying to qualify to become a smoke jumper at 47 years old when everybody else in his class is in their 20s. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. He's just got a mind that you can't. Uh, it's insane. Most of us just can't conceive of. Yeah, insane no. is a good way to say it. I mean, it's um, it's impressive. No, it's uh, it's 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 wild, man. It's uh, it's absolutely wild. But uh, now, nah, okay, I, I'm gonna get that book. That's my that'll be my uh, January book. It's uh, it is intense. I am uh, I'm actually reading your Bo Jackson book right now. Yeah, I read that one. I finished that. The Life and Myth of Bo Jackson by Jeff. Perlman. Did you like that one? Man, it is insanely detailed. Yeah, matter of fact, I was like, damn. Yeah, he spent a lot of time researching that thing. Yep, a huh? little bit. I mean, and I, I will say. You know what I want to ask, Jeff? Because we're going to get him on the show. As a matter of fact, I need to text him and, uh, and see what works for him after the first of the year. Because he, I was reading a part today where he's talking about Bo's, one of his first games. He's like, the broadcaster said this and this and this and this and this. And I'm like, did he go back and hear a broadcast? Yeah. 
That's what or, I wonder. Yeah. And if he did, how did he do it? Or did he talk to the broadcasters and say, hey, what do you remember about that scene? Yeah, and there's some, just some of the guys that he talked to in this book that he's got yeah, he quotes off for. that, bro. I'm like, man, how in the world did you find this person? Like, and it'll literally be something like, oh, Bo Jackson in his third college game hit a double off of this guy, and they couldn't believe how fast he was. And then he'll go back and find the relief pitcher who was sitting in the bullpen that saw Bo Jackson run by or something. Like, that's, how, that's, that's his deal, bro. I mean, it's incredible. I will. That's probably the most detailed sports book. And you know what? I mean, he did Boys Will Be Boys. And I remember that being insanely detailed. And this is just like that, where there's detail upon detail about the life. And what is fascinating about this book with Bo Jackson, and I don't think he reveals this until towards the end of the book, Bo Jackson didn't work with this on him. Bo, he, oh, yeah. he called Bo Jackson to tell him, hey, I'm going to write a book about you. And Bo's like, okay, cool. And Bo never talked. Like, there's not all the stuff that is in there that's quoted from Bo is from archival footage and whatnot that he has found or transcripts of other interviews that he has found. And it's literally the story told by all these people who interacted with Bo throughout the course of his life. Yeah, it's uh, it's what I tell young journalists. Now, I'm not saying go be Jeff Perlman, but what I tell him is. Just because a dude doesn't want to talk to you, that don't mean nothing. That's not like, well, I can't do his story. I can't get so-and-so to call me back, or I can't get them to do this or do that. No, man. That just means you just have to go around. You have to improvise, adapt, and overcome. Uh, yeah. Because not everybody's going to cooperate with you. Not everybody feels like being interviewed. And, uh, you know, that's just the way it is. Yeah, man. I mean, it, it is. And you can't let that dissuade you, and he never does. Yeah. It, it's because. a again if you are a fan of Bo Jackson which I grew up in the Bo Jackson era of being obsessed with that guy because I was the right age when he was super popular and doing both of it at a very high level as a kid yeah. th this is by far the definitive thing I've ever read about Bo Jackson well check this out Brett Favre didn't didn't work with him on that book Walter Payton didn't work with him on that book but he's a, a maniacal researcher man whether he's, uh, and you can tell from the book, whether he's reading uh, newspaper archives, probably a microfiche somewhere, or whether he's looking at old, you know, games off of YouTube. Um, you know, because there's another part in there where he's saying what Bo Jackson looks at at bat. And he's like, he does this, and he steps out, and he wiggles his hips like this, and he does this with his, well, you can only do that if you've, like, seen the clip. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, I mean that's why Jeff Perlman is Jeff Perlman. Yeah, and he had some in there, and I, like while I was reading the book, I would stop. This is one of the things I actually like about reading on my iPad because I use the the Kindle app where I, I read books like electronically. Is he had so many things, and, and a couple of them I remembered, a couple of them I didn't, and then I could immediately just jump on to the internet and go to the exact clip that he was talking about and watch it, which was cool. Yeah, no, 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 no. He's and I really like doing that. Man. Yeah, but it, it's been, I mean. Yeah, 52 titles this year, which is nuts, man. And it, it's, you know, it's probably about half fiction, half nonfiction, because I read all of the Dexter books this year. And I read, I want to say I read all the Gray Man books, which I think there's 11 of those. I read the Orphan X books. I read the Terminal List books. And I read, I read one Harry Bosch book. And outside of that, all the rest were nonfictions and like, biographies because i read a handful of biographies this year which i don't know i, I never th saw myself as much of like a big biography reader but I, right. I started getting interested in those i guess and and i'm trying to think whose biography i read bob odenkirk's biography i read the great novitsky 
which was a biography on Dirk, obviously. I read the right. Matthew Perry one. I read Ralph Macchio's because I'm a karate kid guy. I read the Jimmy Johnson swagger biography. That was really good. I enjoyed that quite a bit. So, yeah, I read a head and full of biographies and, you know, I read some sports books like the Bo Jackson one. And, and I read Calvin's book. We talked about that. And, and I've read some history books. And I don't know. I'm just kind of all over the map. Hey, that's what you do, bro. Yeah, it's good stuff, man. But. Yeah, I don't know, because I think, let me see last year. I'm looking at this right now. I, I want to say last year I did 38 books. I believe that's correct. <coughs> oh, no, I did 34 books last year. And so this year I was like, man, if I could do 34 books, originally my goal was just to get 35 or more. And then right. I remember like so early on, like I read those Dexter books like really quick because I enjoyed them and, and they were, I thought, kind of easy reads. So... I was like, well, damn, dude. And then I remember early in the year being like, well, God, at this rate, I, I could do 50. And then it got to a point where I was like, well, if I can do 50, why not do a book a week and see if I can get to 52? <laughs> wow. And then I got to 52. And now, like, I don't know that next year I'm going to be like, oh, I got to read 50 books. But I mean, again, I, I, I read. I pretty much read every as a matter of fact, I, I think. Out of the last 400 days, I think there's maybe been five days that I didn't read. Wow. Like, at least at all. Like, other than that, yeah. so, you know, like, if you're reading a chapter a day, which sometimes I don't have a lot of time, I'm like, okay, well, I'm just going to do a chapter. And then other nights, you know, I'll, I'll read for an hour in the morning, and then when we go to bed at night, I'll read for another hour or whatever. I mean, I just... <laughs> right, right. I read, man. Like, I really, really enjoy reading. Hey, man, it's whatever works for you, dog. And there's a lot of good books that are out there. And, and you know, now yeah, I'll, like, I'll just jump on Amazon and, and I'll add them to my, my Kindle wish list. Like having talking to you when we brought up the Bo Jackson book, like briefly a while back. Yeah. And, and you mentioned that he that uh, Perlman was the one who wrote that Showtime book that the, the HBO TV show is based on. Well, I never right. read that. So I put that on my Kindle wish list to, to read Showtime. No, Showtime's terrific book, bro. Because that was back when, you know, when I was a kid playing basketball, I was all about the Celtics and the Lakers. Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. And that uh, whole thing. A great book. And so I also have, let's see, I've got Bill O'Reilly's Legends and Lies, The Real West, another one of those types of books. And then I've got, this is probably the, mo the more random one that I'll read. A Billion Years, My Escape from a Life in the Highest Ranks of Scientology. Wow. But I read the synopsis of this. as like, man, that sounds super interesting. <laughs> and then I've got uh, coming up in February the next Gray Man book releases. Also coming up in February the next last uh, Orphan Orphan X book releases, which is supposed to be the last one in that series. So yeah, I've got like already like five or six on my wish list that I already know where I'm going next after this. Jeez, we're going with your bad self. That's how I do it. That's how I do it. <laughs> So anyway, yeah, I just thought I'd give you an update on where I was because I know a lot of it's, it's interesting. I, I put a poll out on Twitter because we got to talking about this on my radio show here in Birmingham, uh, maybe a week ago or whatever that was. Right. And, and I thought this was fascinating. I guess I just kind of assumed that people read, but I got several hundred votes Damn on this poll. Not, right. No, and I said, so how many books do people read in a year? 77% said they read five or less. Right, right, right. Like 40% of people on the poll said they don't, they don't read. Zero books. I could see that. I went a long time. I probably went a decade without reading books. Maybe two decades. Man, that is what... In, I mean, I, I read a lot of other stuff. Yeah. See, yeah. Or I watched a bunch of documentaries yeah. and, 
I'm always feeding my mind, but I just got out of the habit of writing books. I mean, reading books. But now, uh, in part because I've written a couple, um, uh, after, you know, and you turned me on to the Bosch thing. And then I was in the car so much because it's Dallas that I got into audio books. And so once I got into audio books, I was like, okay, I can really read. I mean, read, listen, however, consume books because I'm driving all the time. Uh, depending on the kind of book it is, I listen to it while I work out. If I'm in an airplane, I got it. I mean, it's a, it's a lot of ways for me to get to uh, to get it now because I don't have to just sit there and be and be uh, reading it. Yeah, I mean that's you know I, I get it. It's very time consuming. Like I had some people that responded to that poll that I put up, and one guy was like, "Oh, I read close to 100 books this year." And then I looked at his picture and I was like, "Well, he's obviously retired." <laughs> you know, like <laughs> I mean, I, 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 like everybody's schedules are different. And, and I think when you have more free time, obviously you can read a lot more books and then how fast do you read and that type of thing, right? I think comes into play. Like some lady responded and said that she reads every single day because it helps with her anxiety. And she's read probably 120 books this year. Wow. And I was like, oh my Jeez. God, that's insane. Yeah, it is. But again, it depends. What do you do for work? What do you do for a living? You know, what, what are you retired? What kind of job do you have? What type of free time do you have? True that, true that. And I, I got to thinking about, I was like, you know, to be honest, I could read more books, but I choose usually in the evening and before we get in bed, we watch TV shows or a movie or a sporting event or something. Right. Not everybody's into doing that. So no, you just balance. That's I good. guess I do what I do. <laughs> All right. So before we get into our conversation with Todd Archer, let's tell you, if we may, about HFX Foundation Solutions. And, and again, you guys, the wonky weather in Texas and the soil, which is crap, Texas is notorious, especially North Texas, for foundation issues. And if you've seen those cracks in the walls or the ceiling or in the floors, or you noticed some sticking doors that weren't doing that a year ago, I would immediately give Aaron and his guys a call at HFX Foundation Solutions, 817-770-0174. It's a free, no obligation inspection. They will come out and find what's going on. Maybe you have a problem. Maybe you caught it early. Maybe you don't. But you'd rather have that peace of mind. Nah, bro. We preach that all the time. So give Aaron and his crew a call. They're right over there in Arlington, I mean, Fort Worth, uh, 817-770-0174, 817-0, I'm sorry, 817-770-0174. And, uh, you know, tell them you need to call Noxie before you crib. That's the way I like to put it. And all that means is they give your house the once over and you get that peace of mind that comes from when you have a colonoscopy and you get that perfect bill of health. And if by chance they do find something, as Matt said, man, better early than late. We know that whether it's whatever. Especially with the foundation. Find it early, it's going to cost you a fraction of what it will if you find it late. It's 817-770-0174 or online at hfxfoundation.com. Also, our guys Juan and Brent and the family behind Smokey John's Barbecue, man. It doesn't get any better than that. I'll tell you, I, I am stoked. It's funny, my mom, my mom listens to podcasts. She's like, oh, yeah. She's like, I want to go to Smokey John's. I was like, well, I tell you what. When I'm in town next week, we'll figure it out. And one day we'll drive over there right off a of Mockingbird and we'll order a couple of jam session bowls and we'll all just split it. And it'll be amazing. Yes. I can't wait. And, and they are doing the jam session bowls, not on the menu. It's you got to listen to the jam session podcast to even <laughs> know it exists. There you go. Um, now, 
the jam session bowl it is just a concoction of deliciousness um it's a macaroni and cheese or mashed potato base and then you get to pick two out of five meats man your boy i usually roll with the sausage and the brisket now occasionally i rock with brisket and chicken but that's just occasionally but then, man, they top it with all the stuff you find on a, ba- on a loaded baked potato. You know, stuff like chives, stuff like bacon, bacon bits, stuff like butter, stuff like sour cream. It's delicious, bro. And then they drizzle that sauce on it, man, because I've always taken mine to go. They slam that lid on it. It's almost coming out the sides, and it is fantastic. About half the time I'm in there when I order it, somebody literally says, hey, uh, what is that? When they hear it. And if it's not then, when they start making it, they go, oh, wait, 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 what is that? And I go, hey, have you ever listened to the Jam Session Podcast? And they go, no. Well, I go, well, damn it, you don't need to know. <laughs> and then they started laughing. And I said, okay, here's what it is. Awesome. Listen to the podcast. Yeah, listen to the podcast. And now you'll find out exactly what it is. Because it's only available for podcast listeners. Smokey John's Barbecue. And I'm telling you, you still got time. You can still swing by and grab a bottle of the barbecue sauce. You can swing by HEB and Frisco or Plano and grab a bottle of the rub. Those are phenomenal stocking stuffers for the person in your life that likes to grill, that enjoys using meats and all that type of thing. They're going to love it. It's Smokey John's Barbecue, man. Everything they do is fantastic. And who knows? Maybe we'll see you over there next week when I swing by and grab some lunch when I'm in town. So check them out. Smokey John's Barbecue. It is time, as we do every week, to check in with our ESPN NFL Nation Cowboys insider, Todd Archer, joining us. And I don't know. What did you make of that? You're up. You start up 14 nothing. Everything looks great. You're in Jacksonville. Then, hell, it's 27 to 10. Halfway through the third quarter, you're cruising. And, and you you end up losing. What do you take away from a game that turns out like that? Okay, you ready? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Right. I mean, it, fair. It, 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 it tell you know. It, it, one thing I thought of was like the Denny Green line. They are who we thought they were, and until they prove otherwise, I, I don't know how you get out of this cycle. Right. I mean, you you want to think, man, forty to three at Minnesota, thirty three point fourth quarter against Indianapolis. They handled the Giants relatively easy on Thanksgiving. You know, you're thinking, okay, you give them the hiccup against Houston because if anybody wants to notice, Houston took Kansas City to overtime last week. Um, So, you know, but until they actually do it, there has to be doubt. And, And let's be honest, this entire regular season doesn't matter, right? It doesn't matter for Mike McCarthy, really. It doesn't matter for Dak. It's what they're going to do in four weeks. That's when it all starts for these guys, and that was that was the the feeling in August and September when the season started, and that should be the feeling now. But there, it's concerning that a game that you had in control, you you let it out of their control. That they brought Jacksonville into the game with Dak's first interception with the defense. Uh, not a, not being able to get any stops, and and really the the, the what's the word? Is it funny? Is it uh, coincidental? Is it whatever? Like the guys that got the most grief on that defense are really Anthony Brown and Leighton Vander Esch, hmm. and their absence absences in that game showed up more than anything. Like well, told, you know, the pass rush, they got one sack, but blah blah blah. But nah, I mean, I they missed people. those two guys. No, you're exactly right, and um, I've told people for a long time. There's a difference between 
good players and average players and average players and bad players. And even if you think Anthony Brown is above average and your boy boss man fat is less than average, you see that, no, there really is a difference between those two cats. Uh, Speaking of that, are they getting him out of the lineup this week? Because I'm tired of watching him play. (laughs) Um, It certainly seems that way when Dan Quinn tells us it's an open competition for that spot. Um, How they do it, what they do, eh, at least they have options. I don't know if any of them are good. This isn't like, hey, Tyron Smith coming back. What do you think about playing right tackle? That's a pretty good option to have. Um, To to me, where I would lean, and this uh, I have not heard anything from this from anybody inside the star, is I put Deron Bland outside and I put Mackenzie Alexander in the slot. A guy who's played in the league, former second-round pick, played in in Minnesota, uh, so George Edwards can kind of get him up to speed on on what they want out of those guys. Um, I think that's the way you go. Um, But, again, they just signed Trayvon Mullen. Uh, or I'm sorry, they just claimed Trayvon Mullen, a former second-round pick um, of the Raiders. He was with Arizona. Probably not had the start to his career that, that he would have hoped, but you know, you're know you betting on that talent that you saw at Clemson with him, and the Cowboys liked him coming into the draft. So they have options, I, but I'm with you. They, they don't need to see – the time is run out on Calvin Joseph. And maybe it's not fair. It's, it's really one game because Houston didn't really test him and throw the ball down the field. Uh, two weeks ago, but this is a team that's in win-now mode, and you can't wait for a guy to develop. You, you need a guy that can play and, and get the job done. So um, I, I think it's Bland outside and, and Alexander inside. Could be completely wrong, but that's the way I'd roll. You mentioned Leighton Vanderesh getting injured, and fortunately it doesn't sound like it's a neck deal. It's just a, a stinger that they call it. What, what does that mean for them moving forward at the linebacker position and how they might address his absence if he's going to have to miss some time? Right. At, at least you'll see Jabril Cox active. Um, he's been inactive, I think, in eight of the 14 games or whatever it's been. Um, so, But I, I think you'll see what you saw against Jacksonville, the Anthony Barr and Damone Clark. Um, you know, and, and I, one thing I, I do think people like Missed on Vander Esch this year and the importance of what he's meant to the team. And, you know, everybody, oh, he's making tackles five yards down the field. He's, he's doing blah, blah, blah. Watch him before snap. He's getting everybody lined up, right? Like he's pointing to this guy. He's slapping that D tackle on the butt. He's moving this guy. I mean, they, you know, Anthony Bard certainly knows what he's doing. But again, he's a guy that is in his first 14 games with the Cowboys um, and missed one or two uh, with a with a hamstring injury, maybe even more than that. Damone Clark was a guy they didn't even want to, didn't think would play this year at all when they drafted him, but it's had an amazing recovery from the next surgery that he's had and, and probably exceeded expectations. But now it's like, okay, a little bit like Kelvin Joseph. It can't be, you know, you're just out there. You've got to make plays. You've got to do something. And I, I think that's how they go with it, with those two guys. And it's, again, not ideal, but pretty good options to have and bringing it all together when we talk about all this defense hey Dan Quinn man this is why you get paid right we've had this discussion before about you know this is why you pay these coaches figure it out you know this is how this is on you now get these guys in the right position and it's maybe it's not so much like be crazy and do all these things maybe some of it is 
hey, be vanilla and, and make them drive the field on you at, at certain situations. I, I don't know which way he should attack it. I don't know which way he would go. Um, but, you know, he told us when he talked to us on Monday, he's like he's looking forward to, forward to this challenge because he knows there's some doubt out there about this defense at the moment after such a good, strong start to the season. Yeah, I think it's uh, – let me see. I, I mean, I think it's all about – you know, the dumbest thing to me, man, is when people say next man up there – I mean, I saw J. Ron Kirst say it this week or I read it. Next man up there can't be a drop-off. Well, dude, that's why they're not the man. That's right. why they're the next yeah. man. There's always a drop-off. Uh, it's like when I left the Dallas Morning News. It's a big-ass drop-off, you know, to the next man up. I'm just playing. But the drop-off can't <laughs> – yeah, well, good thing I coughed. I didn't hear the entire thing. But there's going to be a drop-off, but it can't yeah. be from an A-plus John Jock Taylor to an F-minus, yeah. right? It's right. got to be an A to a B-minus. Right. That, that, that's uh, what they need. And But, again, Dan Quinn can help that grade, right? He, he You know, he needs to be the person that kind of steadies the ship and gets everything going. We gave, what it, When they lost Dak Prescott at the start of the season – with the thumb injury, what did we say McCarthy's greatest job was? Getting getting everybody to buy in and believe what they were doing offensively to win games with Cooper Rush. Well, now, on the macro schedule, uh, look at it, I guess, if that's the right term, it's up to Dan Quinn to get everybody to buy in that they can still get the job done defensively and stop people and not allow 34, po- or, yeah, 34 points like they did against the Jaguars. What do you see as the problem with the pass rush? It's got one sack in the last two games yeah. after going, I think, the first 12 with at least two. Uh, um, I, again, it's a little bit of I don't know because we can't say, well, they they haven't played with a lead. They had a 17-point lead against the Jaguars, and they couldn't get home. And it wasn't like the Jaguars have, you know, the Hall of Famers on, on their line. So I, I do think, well, Micah might not be hurt. I'm not going to, uh, you know, hey, great players are supposed to show up and play great all the time. I do think he gets worn down by playing on the line all the time, and maybe that's an option at, at linebacker. You see him do some stuff there. Um, but, again, you know, it's, it's about the other guys. Like, we, we, you know, we, I wrote the story last week. Everybody's him. Okay, Doran Armstrong, well, go ahead. Dante Fowler, go ahead. Marcus Lawrence, go ahead. Like, it's on, you know, the, the, the D-line, the pass rushers, they're, they're the same guys, right? Sam Williams. Um, you got a chance to – Take down the quarterback. Take him down. Don't try and jump on his back. He's a six foot six guy. <laughs> you know. Right, now right. they got the fumble on that play and he got bailed out. But like that was the only stop of note before overtime. The only stop that they had in the second half was a lucky forced fumble by Jaron Curse. Like something that you know put more on poor ball security on the quarterback than what Jaron did maybe. Um, but that's the only. So that's why I can understand where McCarthy was thinking on that drive after the fumble recoveries that you got to put them away and you got to be aggressive. I'm sure we'll debate how they went about that one uh, here in a second, but you know, this is the the pass rush. If you are feared, if you want to be considered the best, you better get it done. And Darren curse. I was in the locker room today. He's like, so far, you know, we've talked a lot of words this year. Time for talking's over. And that's really about the whole defense. What do you make of Dak? And Jerry, I saw the quote that he's outstanding. We can win with them playing like that. I don't know how anybody can blame him for the pick six that ended the game that hit Noah right. Brown, that even the, the pass on the third and 10. And play call, maybe you don't want guys running that far down the field. He made a nice pass, 
But again, we see the interception on the, when he tries to throw it to Schultz when he's under pressure, trying to make something happen. It, what do we take away from Dak? And, and again, fairly or unfairly, that's now 11 interceptions in nine games that is really out of character for him. Right. Um, you can't explain all of them away, right? You can't say, oh, bad luck. Oh, that one was hit. Ah, oh, this was that. Uh, you know, they're happening. Like, there's no, they don't have separate categories in there. Like, <laughs> this one's on that guy. This one's in the, no, it's all in his name under that column. It says I, and it says 11. He has more. Last year, I think he threw 596 passes and had 10 picks. This year, I don't even think he's at 300, and, and he's got 11. So it, it has to change. Um, but I don't go to the, the, the picks themselves so much. I, I go to kind of the decision-making uh, a little bit. The, the throw to Schultz. Hey, man, you, you're stepping up on the pocket. You know you got people coming from behind you. Just eat it. You know, you don't need to try to make that play at second and whatever it is. Just eat it and, and you can kind of move on, especially after the Jaguars just went down and scored and made it 27-17. It's kind of like, you know, you have to understand time and score. I, we, we talked about this after the Green Bay game, the first interception in the end zone. M- muddied picture on anticipating something from Schultz and CD that wasn't there. He threw the ball, got picked. Throw it in the stands, kick a field goal and go up 10 nothing. The way the Packers were at that point in their season might have been game over. Who, who really knows? Uh, might have been a here-we-go-again situation for them. So I go more on that one in. The third down throw, I don't know if it was a good throw, to be honest, because if Noah Brown catches it, there's no way he's in bounds. He'd have to be Manute Bowl to be in bounds to get his feet in. So, <laughs> uh, you know, I almost wonder, like, he would have been better off to just take a sack. Because the Jaguars mm-hmm. have to call a timeout. Yep. Or, or try and run. And if you get three yards, you get three yards. But guess what? The Jaguars have to call a timeout. I'll quibble with the play call because there should have been, hey, give them an easy option for a simple completion that even if you don't get the first down, you're forcing them to burn that last timeout. And we saw how important that that was to them and, and how that led to their game-tying field goal. So th- that's my – thought on Dak and it looked he was 15 to 16 in the first half yep and the one incompletion that he had I think it was to Gallup he had him open he just kind of missed him he threw it high Uh, I think it was Gallup it may have been Lamp but he was nearly perfect so I get where Jerry's saying and I get what McCarthy's saying they want him to keep firing but at some point game circumstances matter and Dak has always been a guy that's been really good in those circumstances and I think there are times now where he's ultra aggressive and I, I don't know why he's that way. And I think, uh, I think you made the best point because it's the same point I made on the third down call, <laughs> which is I didn't mind throwing it cause I'm trying to win the game. And if I get the first down, the game's over. <clears throat> I didn't like the low percentage deep ball. And I'm like you, right. you if you want to send a guy deep and he's got a step and he got the hand up, then throw it. But other than that, man, take the check down or design a play that's got a check down he gets six yards, you tackle him, boom, now you got to use the timeout. And you tried to get the first down and win it. It didn't work out, but you still got, you know, them to use the timeout, which was a goal. Because uh, if you run it, it's going to take four seconds or five seconds. They're not going to, um, you know, you're, the odds of you running 10 yards for a first down are, are very remote. And so, to me, that's almost a give-up play just to get the timeout. But I'm trying to win it. 
And so that's well, well you can make an argument on first down would have been a better opportunity to pass the ball because they're yes. going to think they're going to run it. They're going to run it. They're going to run it. Play action, bootleg, Schultz, nine yards, whatever. Um, right. I mean, yeah. Although I didn't look at, I can't remember because I didn't, I didn't go back and look at that closely. Uh, if they had that whole nine in the box, you're not going to run okay. But otherwise, man, you're supposed to be seventh in the league in rushing. You average 150 yards a game rushing. We talk about it all the time. If this is what you do, you got to run it to close out games, and this was a chance to do it, and they failed dramatically. Yeah, but, again, they still had options. It might be my word of the yeah. flipping no, podcast, no, no. I'm options. Not, I'm not they had options you. of still being able to put the game away or at least made it made it more difficult for Jacksonville to go and tie the score if they had First played the pass, clock I right. Like. Yeah, and then and then you can just run out the clock after that because they would have yeah. again burned their theoretically burned their timeouts or at least people say, well, they could have got a sack. Well, okay, they got a minus run in there too. So first down was a failure either way. <laughs> so it didn't matter. They were still yeah. going to have to burn the timeout. So we look ahead and and with the Cowboys losing, obviously the, some of the luster off this game with the Cowboys and the Eagles. Reality of it is. We don't know if Jalen Hurts is going to play. He's got the sprained shoulder. It, it sounds like they most likely won't play him, but it's still early in the week. This is a big game, though. I mean, it, I don't know that the Eagles are going to lose three in a row and the Cowboys are going to win three in a row, right. but whatever. I mean, this still – how do you like this matchup with or without Jalen Hurts playing on Saturday? So, uh, to me, the Cowboys are in a no-win situation if he doesn't play here because if they win the game, everybody's going to say, so what? They didn't have Jalen Hurts. <laughs> If they lose their game, oh my God, it's Armageddon, and they're never gonna. How, thank God they qualified them for playoffs already. But now, heck, they might even be the six or the seven seed. Forget about the five seed out of that. So all that junk starts start coming if they lose. But I'll, I'll go to the first game against Philadelphia, and Dak doesn't play right, and they're down twenty to nothing, and then they make it twenty to seventeen in the third quarter, for third, fourth quarter, whatever it was. And, like, you're in that building, and Eagles fans, they can say what they want. They were worried. But then they put together a 13-yard drive, and they score, and they go up 26-17, and that pretty much salts away the game. The Cowboys, after an awful start, their backup quarterback throwing three interceptions, had a chance in that game as well as Philadelphia's played. So even if the Cowboys had beaten Jacksonville, the likelihood of them winning the division – I don't have the ESPN, FBI stuff to know what the percentages would be, but let's just say they were low, even if they won last week, because you're still going to require beat Philly and they're going to have to lose another game uh, down the stretch when they play, uh, who they play? The, the Giants in the last game and mm-hmm. New Orleans, maybe? Yeah, I don't even yeah know. the but, Saints, yeah. Uh, again, games that they should win, so it wouldn't matter. To me – this game is important, was important and remains important for the Cowboys if they truly want to be someone that you can count on, whether Hurts is playing or not, you have to win this game. You have to. Like, to give you any, to, maybe not to the players and, and what outside, what fans, media, whatever, don't really matter, but if you want to be taken seriously, you win this game and then you can write the ship and say, okay, they beat the hottest team in the AFC right now in Cincinnati. They put the largest road victory together in, in a 43 whipping of Minnesota. Um, they, they swept an eight, five and one giant team that might not be good, but still going to make the playoffs. So the years of like, ah, who'd they play? Who'd they beat? What'd they do? 
if you get the Eagles game, then you can point to all these times in this in this season where you say, okay, they they can have a legitimate chance to do something. That that's where I think the most important part of this week's game is whether Hertz is playing or not. Um, they need because it's still the it's still AJ Brown and Devontae Smith. Uh, it's still Miles Sanders. It's still that great offensive line. It's still a really you know the 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 best pass rush in football at least sacks wise and, and a secondary that takes the ball away. So there's still a lot of pieces there. To me, that like for Philadelphia, well for Jalen Hurts, if they lose, man, that helps his MVP case. If they win and they win big with Minshew throwing for 350, you're like, huh, maybe Michael was right. Maybe it's a system. You know what I mean? Like yeah. so. Yeah, it, it's. You're right, it being a no-win if Jalen Hurts doesn't play. And, and, and we've talked about this before, and Jacques and I have talked about this. Are, are you still of the mindset that nobody scares you in the NFC? Well, let's, if the Eagles win this week, I would say the Eagles would scare me okay. they, uh, because they would have won with their backup quarterback. The Niners, <laughs> even with their third quarterback, scare me because of history and what we saw last January insurmountable can't win the game no not on either one of them they can they could beat either one of those teams right provided the defense finds its form all that stuff yeah ain't none of these teams are 85 bears no right no of course not no but i mean that's what you mean because sometimes there's a team where you go yeah man we got no shot yeah and i don't think that's that way although you know all i'm picturing is they play the niners in the divisional round maybe and here comes Debo Samuel next to the guy carrying the boom box out. And I'm like, yeah, this one's over. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's Trent Williams blocking people like crazy. You know, again, whether Brock Purdy's the quarterback or not, I still think there's a healthy respect that you'd have to have for the Niners based on what we saw last January. Well, we have reached that time, and we've talked to all the Cowboys, but we really need to talk World Cup. I know Jacques wants to get into it at Argentina. Mm-hmm. Champions, were you excited? I uh, was in the press box uh, in Jacksonville watching that game, and was just kind of <coughs> excuse me. At two nothing, I got a text from a prominent Dallas Morning News sports columnist that said, "Man, France has nothing, huh?" And then bang, bang, there they go, and they score. Uh, so TC called it correctly as he normally does. Um, it was fascinating to watch, and it was kind of. Stars making play, Mbappe doing his thing, obviously Messi doing his thing. I mean, it was great theater. And, you know, you're a million miles away in a football stadium and you're hearing the crowd underneath watching the games on the TV just getting going nuts on it. So, yeah, I mean, I can't sit here and tell you about every World Cup final, but that has to be the best World Cup final there, there, there has ever been. Has to be. Yeah, I mean, it was it was the two superstars in the game, when you know, aside from Ronaldo, doing what they do best, man, putting the other team. I mean, making spectacular plays. It's Magic Bird Game Seven in nineteen eighty four or yeah. whatever. I don't even know if that one went seven, but that you know what I mean. Like that's that's what it's like, and that both those guys just playing at such a high level. Mbappe's not not he. he I don't even think he's twenty. I don't even know how old no, he is. I think he's twenty two. Yeah, he'll be twenty five wow. at the next World Cup. And he's already played in two finals, balled out both times. And so when he comes here in 26 and here in Mexico and Canada, I mean, he's going to be 25 years old. Like, we might be talking about him as the GOAT (laughs) over Messi at at some point here soon, right? I mean, 
And I, I still think Pele needs to be in the conversation just because of what he was able to do in his career in Brazil and the World Cups and all that stuff. But I'm, I'm okay if people want to call Messi the GOAT. That's fine by me. No, man, it was, it was a great game. It was, it was soccer the way it should be played, attacking, aggressive, great plays, great individual efforts. Uh, that team, that second goal that Argentina scored where they basically tic-tac-toed it down the field. Yeah. I mean, bro, it was it was great. And then, uh, you know, I'm a big fan of my man Martinez, the goalkeeper for Argentina because he's an asshole. And uh, <laughs> watching him bounce around. I mean, all of that stuff was great to me. Yeah. And then, you know, Mbappe, second goal that tied it, that was ridiculous, like – I mean, yeah, the, the the whole thing was just was just great, and it and can't wait until it's here in 2026. And who knows, maybe the the the, the World Cup final will be at AT and T Stadium, right? I mean, wouldn't that be something? Uh, yeah, and I'd figure out a way to get there. That'd be pretty awesome. <laughs> I mean, that would be very the, awesome. The uh, JJT Media Group would have to have a credential. Oh, don't worry. We, we're already right. making a jam session podcast. <laughs> yeah, for sure. That'd be badass. <laughs> World Cup final. That'd be incredible. We, we know some powerful people. I don't know if you know. How many FIFA, though, do you know? I'm sure Jerry can give me a ticket. Oh, I didn't take tickets. Uh, but no, he won't. Because you will not have, he will make too much money on tickets to give anything for free that week. Some of the dirt I know, game. he'll give me a ticket. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you and you and Jill will be sitting together, huh? <laughs> I don't know about that because we don't go strip clubbing together. But, oh boy. Uh, <laughs> uh, but no, no. All right. Well, with that, uh, thanks, Todd. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. All have right. a uh, have a merry Christmas, and uh, and we'll talk again next week. All right. Sounds good. Appreciate you. See you guys. All right, Doug. All right, there he is. That is the greatness of Todd Archer, and I hate to burst a bubble, but Mbappe is 24. I just looked it up. Oh, okay. Look so at you. Smart he's, guy. He's going to – well, I, I had to look it up. I didn't know how old he was. He just turned 24 today. Today is his birthday. Oh, wow. December 20th, 1998, he was born in what is known as the 19th arrondissement of Paris, France. Oh, cool. Yeah, so there you have it. And uh, good for Mbappe. He's pretty damn good, huh? Who's he play for nice. in the EPL? Or does uh, he play PSG. in the EPL? No, he plays in the French League with PSG. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, I don't pay any attention in to that. Pal- well, they, they, they had uh they had Neymar and they had Messi for a while, I think. Oh, they Just did for they? A minute. Yeah, well, I think so. They I think they had Messi on their team for a while. Well, you have to forgive me. I I didn't play with that team on FIFA, so. <laughs> But, see, that's the team I do play with on FIFA uh, back when I was playing. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, that is the end of this podcast, and we will be back. We should have another episode for you that will drop on Friday leading into the Eagles and the Cowboys. But as everybody knows and has come to learn this time of the year with scheduling and all that, if there isn't an episode, don't freak out. We are planning for there to be one. But just in case if something were to happen because I'm traveling on Thursday – when we normally record, but we will certainly try our best to have something for you coming up on Friday, previewing the Eagles and the Cowboys. Everybody enjoy that. Be looking forward to it. And we will talk to you again very soon. Thanks for listening to the Jam Session podcast. Make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. 
Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy, Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.